Two and a half years since Mind Podcast started. We could not have reached here without your support. Thank you. If you like new voices, fresh voices, and irreverent voices, do support Mind Podcast. Click on the pinned tweet on MindMakers or visit mind.net. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this new edition of Mind Podcast. This is Adit Kapadia, Sunanda Vashisht. Uh, not joining us, joining you guys from Houston, and uh, we're very pleased to have welcome this the, our guest this week. Uh, she's an author, um, columnist, and a screenwriter, uh, award-winning screenwriter, uh, Advaita Kala. Uh, hi, Advaita. Welcome to Mind Podcast. Hi, and thank you for having me. Yes. Ah, the pleasure is ours. We've been wanting to have Advaita on Mind Podcast for a long time, yes. so I'm glad that this has finally happened. Welcome to the podcast, Advaita. Thank you. Indeed. So, and and uh, uh, we we've had her on our mind debates earlier mm-hmm. when we did with uh, Dataji Hosebalde from the RSS Me Promote and Advaita. So that was uh, fascinating to have her there. But um, she's here, and we're going to discuss a variety of issues that dominated the week. And I'm going to start uh, first with uh, Kerala, um, where and no, we're not going to talk about the the Kerala communist attacking attacking Tom Moody, thinking that he represents. <laughs> <laughs> he represents Moody's. Oh, yeah. I, I, feel, I feel his pain today. Uh, I no, no, I, that, or, 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 rather, or rather his amusement. Uh, I mean, no, the best, the, the best thing was, I mean, of course, I don't think Tom Moody is well-versed in Malayalam because I, I, <laughs> I saw some comments in there. But then somebody posted a picture of Pinrai Vijayan. Yeah. So I'm like, not just that. You, I actually took the trouble of reading the post because they were so hilarious. One of them said, "Mossad couldn't do anything to Pinaray Vijayan. Do you think you can do anything?" They were talking to Tom Moody. Well, you know, I mean, I have to say, you know, it, it does make. I do a lot of work in Kerala, as you absolutely. know, and it does make life easier that I don't read Malayalam either. Although I do, I have started picking up on words here and there. Yes. Okay. I, I feel I feel Tom Moody's amusement today. I am. I, I mean, I'm kind of glad they didn't start a hashtag like Pomone Moody or something like that yeah. against Tom Moody. Somebody also said that um, it all happened because Modi gave commission to Moody. <laughs> Tom Moody. <laughs> the funniest thing, and I'm going to get to the serious issues, guys. But I I also heard that somebody questioning the timing of this, and I I told them that you know I am touched that they think that uh, Gujarat elections is so that Moody's actually. planned this before gujarat election and <laughs> gujaratis will actually listen to moody's and before voting huh? i mean so this am- is am- amusing <laughs> anyways that, that was funny but but uh, so I, i mean i woke up this morning and i literally choked on my coffee while reading uh, that but but coming to the serious issues that have dominated kerala and i really really wanted us to start with this i mean of course we're going to talk about the current affairs issues the padmavati row and everything but <laughs> advaita i really want to wanted to start with the uh, rss workers being slaughtered in kerala yeah. and i mean i i don't think there is any other word to put there and before advaita starts i want to give advaita just give me 30 seconds i want to let our listeners know that advaita has been probably the only one i know who has been consistently working on this issue making sure people outside of kerala know about this and she has not given up she you know it's not like a soda water excitement for few people you know how netas come and go and do um uh, you know they touch the place and come back advaita has really been with the issue for last 2 to 3 years so i i really applaud you for this thank you 
Uh, well, you know, I mean, I think I always say this when people say, the, say what you've just said, is that if anyone had had the opportunity to meet these people, to get to know them, uh, to connect with them, uh, I mean, the children call me, you know, I mean, they call me every other day mm-hmm. and tell me about their school life and their life and their days and, you know, mundane little things. But if you developed that connection with people in the way that I have with uh, these workers in Kannur, especially, I think it's very difficult to disconnect, even though I'm a couple of hundred miles away. Mm. And I really think of them as my people. Absolutely, mm. absolutely. But, but what I want you to focus on is that first of all just a 20 second background on why how this you know why this is happening what it is and how how badly is this has this affected because we hear news of you know one worker dying and it's almost like a, a consistent occurrence is 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 anything being done on the ground or you know what's what's the situation out there well, you know, it started way back in 1948, and uh, I'd like to qualify that and put it in the t- context of time because it started in January of 1948, prior to Mahatma Gandhi's assassination. Yeah. So you had a situation where the RSS was very a very small presence in Kerala. Remember, hmm. the RSS started in the 1920s, and uh, it was still it was different times, you know. And uh, in Kerala, by the time 1948 rolled around, there were a, there was a small presence there. And Guruji, who was the second Sarsam Chalak of the RSS, travels there for a meeting. And now when the when the Sarsam Chalak travels to a meeting, it is it is a it is a meeting of great import, especially for Swayam Sevaks, because you know there's possibly the only chance that they will get to interact with him, meet with him. And although Guruji did travel a lot, I mean he was on the road most of the year. He's known for having been a traveller. I mean any When you say Guruji you mean uh, Guru Govalkar, right? whatever he could do. But it was, a, it was a very special day when he came. And that was the first attack. That was the day when the communists, who had already been in Kerala for over two decades by that time, uh, actually attacked uh, the gathering and attacked Swayam Sevaks and tried to attack Guruji. And this has been um, noted in books. So it's not something that, you know, off the hat. But... Um, that was technically the first attack on the RSS in Kerala. And subsequently, it just started intensifying. And as the communists gained power and political power in Kerala, the attacks became more brutal. And the first murder was in 1969 of a man called Radhikal Ramakrishnan, who was uh, hacked to death. Um, there's gruesome details. If you go to the Delhi Sessions Court, you will see the FIR mm. uh, in which people have been named, including very powerful people as accused in those murders and, and um, who are in power right now and uh, you know he was uh, killed very quickly and he had a 19 year old bride uh, called Lina who I'd met and essentially Lina became a widow at 19 so she spent her entire life uh, as a widow yeah. and that is just one story I mean I've become a bit of a chronicler of these stories and it's, it's an arduous and it's an exasperating <coughs> and an emotionally draining exercise but I almost feel like I have to keep recounting these at every opportunity I get and I want to thank you all for giving me this opportunity to talk about it because as we know there's always been a, there's been an omerta when it comes to the violence the communist violence in Kerala no. and uh, it's been tough uh, no absolutely and kudos to you uh, Sunanda was saying something uh, you were asking Guru, when you say Guruji, Guruji you mean Guru Govalkar for the benefit of our audience that's right right yeah. for the benefit uh, so but but just before you come in Sunanda and and it's very important I know it's a it's a bit much of because it can be a very emotionally draining experience when you probably interview like hundreds of people you know about these and listening to their stories but 
it's really kudos to you that these stories are coming out because what happens is you listen <clears throat> you hear the gruesome details of one murder or a event that has affected a family and our news cycle is so short even and i'm not talking about the mainstream media our attention span that in a week we lose even though we don't want to uh, we want to keep remembering what's going on with the families but with you chronicling these events you kind of find out that the, the gruesome nature of these events has been going on for about 50 years that's yeah. incredible Yeah. So and so now you're saying I was saying uh and by the political violence in a communist r- regime is nothing new. We have seen it not just in India everywhere else. <laughs> Communism and bloodshed go hand in hand. Uh that is the unfortunate reality that there should be a communist government in this day and age in India is also a sad reality. My question to you is is the violence completely one way I mean is this political violence completely one way is um at some point has no um RSS um, karyakarta or anybody given them back I mean it seems that the police is hand in glove with the government so what has RSS's position been for last 50 years Well you know I mean uh in my mind i and uh, in my analysis and research into the subject and you're absolutely right i mean you know abroad people talk about the red holocaust they talk yes. about the brutality of uh, you know the pol pot the mm. stalinist regime yes. those are things that completely sanitized from our understanding of absolutely. the world mm. and of the ideology of communism you know in in the indian context we really don't get exposure to that aspect of their ideology because mm. uh, so much of the narrative so in the media in academia is uh, sort of handled by No, and it was you know, glorification. And so there has been a cleansing of sort mm. when it comes to um, this, and we only hear of revolutions and rights and labor rights and equality and things mm. like that. But we don't hear of the brutality. We don't hear of the fact that the Pol Pot, I mm. mean, carried out genocide of its own people. I mean, mm. forget Stalinist Russia. I mean, a third of their population was they decimated. Yeah. Mm. Mao. But we don't hear of that. We don't hear of Mao. We don't have any idea of those mm. kind of realities. So I think you know there has been a cleansing of sort, which is. been a huge deception in our understanding of this ideology and it's been an intellectual deception mm-hmm. more than an emotive one even because most of us are not touched by communism in our lives at least in the greater part of india it's restricted to these small corners and i think that its presence there is also under threat and mm-hmm. hence we see the increased violence uh, what you will find in kerala is that you will find one one party which is uh, the cpm in conflict with everybody else including their own allies which is the cpi mm-hmm. uh, very recently in the last year you had the cpm attack a panchayat leader from the minority community and i don't like to get into identity politics but i want to emphasize this mm-hmm. in the minority community they have I, they have thrown a bomb at him and attacked him along with his family mm-hmm. they have attacked workers of the rss who are from the uh, from who are uh, dalits you know mm-hmm. so much for that whole narrative of equality Absolutely. i think you know people um coming to the police of the law and order system you know in kerala has an amazing uh, and i remember giving a speech in the month of august where there were a lot of policemen present and i asked them you know and i asked them with just drawn naked uh, kind of beseechment really and i said you know you tell me you work in these other parts of this country we talk about political interference in your uh, in your duty and in the way you perform your job but in the state of kerala there are police elections there are police association elections where candidates are propped up by political parties and then the next day and in october 2016 i remember reading the startling headline which said that the left government sweeps police 
uh, association elections. And I and I looked at it and I said, what does this mean? What does this really mean? You have a left government in power. Mm. You have police associations where really, you know, the, the, the men in uniform are reduced to party corner. What mm. kind of justice are people going to expect from a system like that? And do they receive justice? The answer is unequivocal. They do not receive justice. And when you meet the children of Kannur, and I speak of the children of Kannur, the saddest thing and the most heartbreaking thing about it, meeting with them, is that they have no desire for justice. They don't even ask what will happen to the murderers of my father. They will never even ask you this question. And that to me is heartbreaking that in a free, democratic, secular, progressive, so-called progressive country which stands for certain values, democratic values, we cannot guarantee justice. That is that is incredible that police association elections are held and are swept by the left front and stuff. I mean, you would think that the uh, the police would be, you know, independent of all this. And mm-hmm. what you said... Yeah, I mean, how unionized, absolutely, unions again. Mm -hmm. I mean, how can you expect them to carry out their job efficiently if they are having unions being represented by people from or people who align with the same ideology? Yeah. This is unbelievable. And especially when you are investigating murders where allegations are of the cadres of the same ideology. So, I mean, and, and, and what uh, Advaita is talking about is just one region of Kannur. You have another set of violence in a region called Mallapuram and that region in Kerala, right? Advaita, if I'm not mistaken, where you had... Absolutely. I think, I think what has been happening in Kerala recently and it's been coming to light and thank God it is, you know, I mean, I, I make this example and you all are sitting in the US so you, you're up with the narrative there when it comes to terror and ISIS. Imagine, uh, where you are in the state of Texas, if 21 people left for ISIS territory, yeah. what kind of headlines would, would America see? And it's a country that's much larger than ours just in terms of geography. Yeah. You know, 21 people and now the latest figures say as many as 100 if not more and this is media reports this is not me quoting these figures have left for ISIS territory they've been radicalized and they've left we don't know how many are radicalized in the state of Kerala Mm. where is the conversation where is the debate where is the intervention Mm. where is the Atmachintan that we talk about it doesn't happen it's just not happening and I I have a friend from Saudi Arabia a very close friend of mine travels to Kerala very often because she's in um, into yoga and Ayurveda and things like that and she said you know I was appalled that I was walking through this uh, town mm. and uh, there were uh, billboards and there were pamphlets in Arabic and it was radical Arabic uh, ideology I mean Islamist ideology and she said in Saudi Arabia mm. when these things come up the, the police just comes in and shuts it down she's like how is this allowed this kind of you know open kind of <coughs> and let's not know, forget to radicalization and let's not forget there was a uh, I think a story in, uh, about some a few years ago where a teacher's hand was hacked off yeah, yeah, yeah. by Islamic very yeah. very popular story. Uh-huh. Very, I mean very fa- you know it became infamous story infamous but, story but uh, what I'm saying is that's only one story what are the weather that, that, that is a PFI it's uh, TJ Joseph yeah. and this happened a couple of years ago and uh, his hands were hacked off and it was it was it just happened you know and uh, the thing is very recently India today did an expose on the PFI right. and uh, right. there's this whole racket that they run of conversions uh, through in the guise of religious institutions and as far as we know and we know that uh, the constitution doesn't permit that kind of thing well let's hope the vice president knows now what PFI stands for <laughs> so <laughs> or ex vice president ex vice president sorry I stand corrected ex vice president my question here um, Advaita is this 
Fifty years of violence, has no central government ever thought that some of these cases, some of these murder cases, some of these cases should be transferred out of jurisdiction of Kerala or Kerala police if police is so completely hand in glove with the communist government there. Has it never occurred to any government, including the current one? You know, that's, that's part of, uh, they like to ghettoize this. So for a long time, it was ghettoized just to this one district. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, uh, it didn't um, matter elsewhere in Kerala. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, interestingly, or tragically rather, since May 2016, we've seen incidents in Guri which was the latest, latest one. We've seen incidents in Palakkad, in Trivandrum, which had a very, very brutal murder of Rajesh and I, this worker in August, where yes. he was mm -hmm. hacked about 51 times to death, you know, buying milk for his boys. Yes. At the end 51 of the times. So we've seen the seep out of Kanul. And uh, you're absolutely right. No one has taken this up seriously. There has been a tendency to kind of draw equivalence while ignoring who holds power? Now, I, I always posit this question. I say, imagine for a moment, take Uttar Pradesh, just as an example, with Yogi Adityanath at the helm. Mm. If these murders were being carried out by CP, uh, by BJP Kada mm. in the state of Uttar Pradesh, can you imagine the narrative? Yeah. You know, I mean, can you imagine what they would be saying? They would be asking for Prime Minister Modi's job yes. based on that. You know, but here, you know, these have happened consistently month after month, you know, I mean, I literally track down the months, like two months go by with no murder, and I say, okay, that's good, it's two months. Yeah. Someone gets hacked, someone gets beaten on the head and goes into some kind of coma or something, and I say, oh, that's not too bad. Mm -hmm. You know, at least he lives. You know, because because there's just nothing that is done to effectively deal with it. And mm -hmm. I've gotten to a point now, especially after this last murder, which happened last week, where I'm actually questioning, and I, and I see this opening, Openly, the central government, what is their response to mm. this? Mm. Mm. Absolutely. First Absolutely. of all, they should have a response to it. Then I think go no further what you said. Uh, do you remember during the Delhi elections, there was a false narrative created about Christians under attack, mm. which was not even true. And amount the amount it received, the outrage it received. Absolutely. That, and Times of India had a uh, piece saying enough say warrior Christians, Christians and stuff and like that. All there was that there were all of those cases, every single case was solved and all of them were petty robbery, petty theft. And you have to, no, no. And I'm saying yeah. that was a false thing. Even if it was a robbery for, mm. it should be, people should be punished and stuff. Yeah. But there are murders. No, happening. that was truly law and order situation, the Christian uh, thing that right. happened. And this no, is a, this I, is political know, violence. I've been writing about this and I've been saying this for a while, that there is, since May 2014, since the Prime Minister Modi uh, was elected to power, there has been an increase in the murder of RSS and Hindu organizations, leaders of Hindu organizations. And, and I can chronicle it, I can tell you, I can tell you Karnataka, yeah. Punjab we saw recently 10 days ago, a second leader was attacked and killed. And a uh, couple of days ago we saw it in Greater Noida. And it's different in different states. So when I talk yeah. about Punjab, it's the use of a gun. So they're yeah. shot at point blank range. Yes. Complete impunity. Mm. And now some investigations and credit to the Chief Minister of Punjab for being so effective. Uh, they have revealed that there is an ISI plot 
yeah. uh, which uh, which you know kind of makes this um, puts this together with the funding and everything. If you look at Karnataka, there have been multiple murders, and the last twelve months, I can tell you, there have been two uh, where PFI, Popular Front of India activists, have been involved. Uh, murder of a gentleman called Rudresh, uh, who was in his Ganavesh, which is the RSS uniform in Bangalore, and he was killed in Shivaji Nagar. I mean, hacked to death on his motorcycle in public. Mm-hmm. And another young man called Sharad, who was uh, in his twenties, who was killed in Bantwal. Bantwal is about. 50 to 60 kilometers away from Kanur. So this entire area is experiencing a sort of um, violence and an organized violence. I wouldn't even say it's random violence. Yeah. But nobody actually come, wants to sit down and say that, look, this could be a reality. You know, you have something like 20 odd people in the last so many years since Modi has been in power who have been killed because mm. of their ideology. But no one will talk about that. But everyone will focus on all the other murders that are taking place. Yeah. Uh, here is my question. I am a little bit exasperated with RSS also about this issue. After all, this is not something that has happened two years ago or three years ago. You yourself said that the first murder happened in 1965 or something. So this has been happening. The violence has been happening at least since 1948. Why is RSS so opaque about all this? Why? What does it have to lose by not, you know, going to the press about it, by going all out about it? Why has? Why did it take an Advaita Kala or somebody else now, four years ago, to um, take it up? Why has RSS, with all the machinery that they have, why have they been opaque about it? Well, I mean, a couple of things. You know, first of all, the RSS does not work with power. Neither does it depend on power. So, when the RSS has brutalities done on them, and it has through its history, if you if you observe their history very carefully, you will see that there have been all kinds of there's been all kinds of discrimination. There has been all kinds of brutality. You're absolutely correct. There is a discipline and a resoluteness which prevents them from playing the victim card. Secondly, there has not been any government in place which has been which has looked upon them from the perspective of just being citizens and human beings mm-hmm. who have to have rights as well as guaranteed in the constitution to every citizen, no matter what your faith, mm-hmm. your ideological position, caste, gender, whatever have you. Now that those are the two. That is that is sort of the ecosystem which has which has denied them this. So mm-hmm. you would not even have found reporting of these incidents. Exactly. You know, even the media has not Absolutely. reported it. As far as the RSS, what the RSS is doing, the RSS is doing really incredible work when it comes to their people who have been killed in this way. Uh, you know, they have been fundraising drives uh, where they have raised funds for these families. The families are part of the family, larger family of the RSS. Yes. They're always looked after. They're never abandoned. There may not be government intervention. That I agree with. But the RSS has not had access to power. And even if it does have access to power, the RSS is not a political organization. It does not count on that power. It does not beseech that power. It is from all society. It works within society. On its level, the RSS works constantly in this endeavor. And every every person who has lost their life in this way is counted on. I mean, and uh, in August, Dr. Kriya Sable, who you've also had on the podcast, yes. Yes. Uh, went out there and held press conferences and spoke absolutely honestly and heartbreakingly about yeah. this because you know this has hurt people on very it's it's even psychologically damaged yes. generations of Swayam Sevaks in Kerala because it's just a special violation of just basic 
Yeah. Absolutely. But I wish and, they and would make no more noise about it. That's that's all I know. No, absolutely. And you know the noise, you know, uh, comes from like somebody, you know, like we were talking about the Christian uh, temple. Mm. The, uh, sorry, I'm sorry about that. The church attack, yes. you know, where data and and, and investigation proved it was untrue. Mm. Now we we know we know this is agenda driven. Of course we do. You know, and and when you're trying to project an organization as fascist. Why would you highlight the fact that they are being brutalized mm. in the southernmost state of this country? Because you have the tyranny of distance playing for you, yes. which is which is really what works for the Delhi media, which mm. is the national media. It shouldn't be, but it is. And uh, you have, of course, the fact that you can keep things out of the paper because you don't want to put them in there. Mm. It was a struggle. I have I have been turned down. I have been ignored uh, when I've requested to write for publications on this issue. It's it, you know, and and this is as recently as uh, two years. Wow. Well, but I'll tell you this. Uh, thank you so much, Advaita, for chronicling these stories. These are very important stories, and you're doing a yeoman service, I guess, for this. And uh, kudos to you for making the trips and stuff. And it probably isn't. I mean, in some areas that you've been to, it's not safe to be asking such questions. So that you've done that at a great risk is amazing. So um, stay tuned. We're gonna we're gonna um, in the next part we're gonna talk a little bit about the current affairs, including Rani Padmavati thing. Among the other issues that has dominated this week, and I don't, it's still dominated the week, is about the movie Padmavati by Sanjay Leela Bhansali. Uh, we've discussed it once, and um, before I, before we get to Advaita, um, Sunanda, you want to say your experience about what is what happened to you? <laughs> oh my God! All I did was I had, I was just telling people that you know by giving it so much publicity and by all you are managing to do is making sure that Sanjay Leela Bansali gets yet another super duper hit so I was saying you know instead of this limited outrage for um, 10 days why not think of something bigger you know a feature film will always take um, liberties of any kind of feature film mm. whoever makes on whatever side of the spectrum will always take liberties so people who are offended why not get together and make invest in some fine documentaries why did a lot of people have been asking it why did it take for Sanjay Leela Bansali to discover Padmini why what I mean something like this why has nobody quote unquote, on the right wing, discovered her story and already gone ahead about it. So I was telling people the outrage is fine. I just don't like people, you know, this again, soda water excitement mm. for a little bit and then just forget about it all. Somebody told me the other day, why somebody, um, Dr. Makran Paranjpe, he was saying he visited um, this place where um, she actually did Johar and she says it's unmarked place. It's not even maintained very well. So when I see that stuff, then I get outraged. I mean, and you, you, know, you, you got very nasty comments. I was completely, I, oh my God. I, I mean, I have a very thick skin, but um, the comments that I got, I haven't had since the last time ARP used to attack. They're not <laughs> in attacking anymore anymore. But it just tells you that, you know, this. Um, there is no point about this two-day aggression and three-day aggression. If you really want to change the narrative, guys, no, like it has to be changing narrative and changing, reclaiming history takes perseverance. No, and, I, and I support people who, have as in who want to write pieces against it and stuff. It's their point of view. But you cannot condone somebody saying that I'll threaten off to chop the nose off and cut the head off and no, eat that's, I was just telling them, you are becoming who you hate, Islamists. Because yeah. that's what Islam is yeah, yeah. You're becoming who you hate. Uh, so, uh, Advaita, have you kept up with the controversy thing? <laughs> yeah, 
know it was a sarcastic question. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I think I think my resume kind of drags me into this. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, of course, you know, I stand for free expression. I, I I've been unequivocal about that. In fact, uh, the, my first comments on this was that. Uh, Uh, you know, if it was even a film on Tipu Sultan, for example, and there's a whole other perspective on him, right? Mm, so absolutely. That's what childhood, and if you grew up in India, you grew up with that magnum magnum opus kind of a TV show that yes. uh, I think it was Sanjay Khan. Sanjay Khan who produced, yes. Gruesome fire, and yes, yes. he got disfigured in it as well. And you know, so, you know, you have been aware of Tipu Sultan as part of the discourse, mm. and now you have this emerging narrative which really points out his brutalities, mm. and there are people who feel very strongly about the kind of uh, section of history he belongs to like, or you know there's a whole a whole other section that says that this is who he was mm. now if there was a film that was made which viewed him from the prism of a villain mm. i would support that as well and you could be rest assured there would be a lot of protest against that absolutely so so, so that that's okay so that's the perspective now padmavati is different even i would say from tipu sultan because padmavati in living memory is associated with a certain kind of color mm-hmm. now you may have people or so called liberals on the internet saying oh you know what kind of life would this be like just because she chose death over rape and mm-hmm. she's a heroine and you know kind of mm-hmm. get into that kind of full liberal uh, justification or what i call liberal orthodoxy mm-hmm. without really understanding that and those in that era uh, a woman really didn't have agency she mm-hmm. didn't have choice Yes. She was subjected to the circumstances that men decided yes. were best fit for her, yes. and that could be that of a queen, or that could be in a harem, or that could be of a sex slave. Yeah. The only agency she essentially had was to decide whether she wanted to live or not, yes. and that's the choice she made. So when you come in and you speak as a so-called liberal progressive male about her choices, I think you're the patriarch of the worst kind because you don't just. You just don't think of it in context. You don't think of it in female in the terms of female agency, and I think you're talking out of your hat. So you know, I think that's 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 one part of the argument. The other part is, of course, that of creative freedom mm-hmm. and the right to tell your story. And maybe Kilji, and he probably was, it was a fantasist, and he imagined that he had been with her in some context, in some thing, and that fueled his his ardor and his. pursuance of her you know that's entirely possible but if you're going to pursue that line then i think you have to kind of account for the fact that there are going to be people who are not going to like it mm-hmm. but i don't i do not accept any kind of threats of violence yes. any kind of suggestions of violence and i've done a lot of debates on this issue i've stopped doing them now really but mm-hmm. i've been on debates where people have openly threatened the director and i think that's complete and other nonsense absolutely. and absolutely. and boycott boycott is a legitimate form of protest so if yeah. the rajasthan the royals of rajasthan See? would come out and say that okay we are going to boycott the film perfect sure that's yeah. non violent boycott no one's forcing you to watch mm-hmm. but if they are going to say that we are going to burn the theaters or ransack the theaters where people go and watch the film that i'm not for that's, that's, that's absolutely but i also think that sanjeev hansali is calling it padmavati mm. he is also riding on the brand padmavati of right we've all grown up with stories of padmavati yeah. she's not unknown to us so you're kind of using that brand as well so you have to kind of then be a little sensitive to her history and what she Absolutely. stands for i mean otherwise you could have called her amravati and been yeah. inspired by true incidents and done whatever you wanted so no no but, but but one thing sunanda I, i want to i'm not of course saying that anyone suggested that they're going to ransack the theaters but but my point 
point is there are two what Advaita said there are two parts to this debate the first part where we are all agreeing on is the freedom of expression and um, uh, against violent threats the second part again where we are agreeing on is you cannot have this liberal point of view about freedom of expression and juxtapose that with the rubbish being said that uh, who I think Devdat Patnaik was saying that she you just like women burning or something I think you both, can't sides, both, of them. both sides equally damage the debate those who say that Padmavati um, chose this what question Padmavati's choice of Johar or and also who uh, threatened to um, cut Deepika's nose both sides are doing major damage to the debate mm -hmm. we cannot get anywhere with these two extreme sides there has to be somewhere there has to be some sanity that has been brought into the debate history in India will always be hotly contested the filmmakers the writers this, this is um, you know there's no question we are a country that where um, history has been subjected to multiple uh, layers so there will history will always be um, subjected to this my question is that anybody who is riding this force and just saying, you know, uh, questioning the thing and saying that censor board does not the law question the law of the land that, you know, we should be shown the film before anything else that is sort of curtailing the freedom of someone else. Oh. So in a democracy, if someone else is getting the freedom to make Padmavati, you are also the good news is that you are also getting a freedom to do counter narrative, you know, to write a counter story to make a counter film to do something. Mm. And we are not living in 70s technology has really opened yeah. up the medium you and i are talking today and we are you know um, we get heard by a lot of people and we are just too small you know we're just a small organization a lot of people rajasthan royals can get people who are listening they can get together and, and on a big scale they can make a documentary and, and, and fyi she doesn't mean the ipl team rajasthan royals i'm just saying <laughs> I think, you know, Sunanda's made a valid point. You know, there are orthodoxies on both sides. One may come at you in the lumpen form, in the crude form, yes. in the obnoxious form, which is, which is you know, what you see with, uh, you know, the fringe elements. Yes. The other one will come, to, come at you in a more sophisticated form. It will yes. be better language. It will be someone for, who has certain, well, I like to use this word, eminence mm -hmm. in our, um, you know, narrative and our discourse. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they're really saying the same thing, just differently. Yes. And, and that's the kind of, uh, you know, kind of, orthodoxies that we need to move away from and we need to move more towards nuance mm -hmm. and I think that is really the way forward if we have to tackle these issues and let's also remember that while we rant and rave about uh, and and disparage these fringe elements who are making these threats and I certainly have done that and I've done that on live TV let's say that this has been preceded by fatwas and all kinds of things. Oh, absolutely. Which have also not been uh, acted upon. You know, the government has been just as quiet then and <laughs> just as quiet now. Mm -hmm. And that's really my problem. That, you know, you have to have your law agency step in and say, like, look, you there, saying don't wear a swimsuit, you're an actress, don't wear a swimsuit, you're a Muslim, here's a fatwa for you, are going jail and so are you Kani Sena who's saying we're going to slap Pansari or chop this one's nose yeah. off you know, you're going to jail as well yeah. I remember when there was a fatwa on A.R. Rahman for that Majid Majidi's film Shabana Azmi comes on huh? TV and said that Majid and A.R. Rahman cannot make a film that uh, insults Islam or whatever no that is not yeah that's uh, not so sensitive the, 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 the real problem was that even if they make a film that is insensitive there shouldn't be a fatwa see how the liberals should... see how liberals sort of twist the debate Shabana Azmi yeah. came on the stage not to say that 
I don't care what um, Majid Mohi has made and what A.R. Rahman has made. I support whatever they have made. Instead, she twists the thing and says, you know, A.R. Rahman is a devout Muslim. I don't expect him to do anything like that. And I'm sure he won't do anything like that. Do you see the difference, Advaita? It is not complete support of freedom of expression, but it is completely, you know, uh, twisting the whole story. That is the problem with freedom of expression in India. And that is why I, we are long ways from winning that battle. So selective. It's been so selective. You know, I would, I would like, I, you know, I, I've used this in my arguments. I think Sanjay Lila Basali, and this is, I'm speaking as a female scriptwriter who works in the business, has done a wonderful job with his female characters in the past. You know, he's given them character, he's given them layers, he's made them look beautiful. He's really concentrated on them. He's, he's somebody who cares about the roles that women play in his film. And that gives me hope about this film as well. I don't think he would be disparaging. But that's an aside. You know, that's my own personal view of Pansali as an author and the kind of, and his body of work. But when I look at just from the from the prism of just free expression, I have to say we have to work towards tolerance and, and tolerance on all sides. Absolutely. And I think that that sums it up. Uh, apart from that, uh, I have to ask you Adwaita, quickly. So uh, since we talked about uh, patriarchal uh, thing, what uh, New York, a piece on New York Times called it a patriarchal symbol of Hindu nationalism. <laughs> Do you think you agree that Sari is a patriarchal <laughs> symbol of Hindu nationalism or something? I don't know. You know, I, I, I may write a book someday. It may never be on the New York Times bestseller list. It may be. It's a big feather in the cap. But to, to New York Times and their articles on India in the recent past, I just say LOL. We had uh, three very viral pieces going on um, Mindmakers this um, this week. Uh, one one of them was uh, by Shefali uh, where the about the sari controversy at rebuttal, which uh, mm-hmm. was very well. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then Sunanda wrote a rebuttal to Manish Tiwari. Actually, Sunanda, why don't you spend a s- <laughs> ha, Why don't you spend a second and third? I don't want to do a humble brag, but my piece on Gujarat didn't do too badly. Either. But uh, Sunanda, um, why don't you t- just spend thirty seconds on talking about? what Manish Tiwari said and why yeah. do you feel strongly yeah, just about quickly it? and people can go to mind.net and read my rebuttal it was just um, I called it manufactured earnestness um, so um, <laughs> Manish Tiwari came on so here is ex-INB minister mm. he is, um, is Who, Cong- but, but I have to say I was very scared when Twitter increased the limit to 280 characters because I thought he would sound exactly like the debates on Twitter now so uh, on TV you mean so he has been Advaita, he has been on Kashmir debates innumerable times. I have seen him and yet he comes up with a very question, you know, this manufactured earnestness as I call it and asks, why would Punjabi Hindus stay back during terrorism and Kashmiri Hindus uh, flee? You know, very covertly trying to say that, well, Kashmiri Hindus must have been, um, you know, cowards for running away, not understanding what was the population percentage like, what is the relation, what was the social fabric of Hindus and uh, Sikhs and Hindus and Muslims in um, Kashmir, you know, very slyly giving that thing. And also, um, as I did point out in my piece that uh, Punjabi Hindus also did in, they trickled out, but they also did migrate and then came back. 
fact but the fabric of hindus and sikhs in uh, cannot be you know compared at all to what was happening in years of um, persecution in uh, kashmir so i just you know these things just keep happening but you can read that rebuttal it's on uh, mind.net and so no, i mean i think sananda i mean you you uh, to speak of your work i think you've uh, you've spoken and written eloquently about the kashmiri pandit issue and you know i mean i can relate to that from the perspective of a woman you know victim shaming so a lot of times i find that there is a lot of subtle victim shaming even in this incident in this instance you know a lot of the the exodus of the kashmiri which really appall all of us we were very young when it happened but certainly as adults today and the fact that uh, kashmiri pandits are still living in camps and still kind of denied their homeland should really appall us and i'm not like asleep at night but instead you have a narrative emerging from a party which has been in government for most 70 years of its independence year's history are really indulging in victim shaming yeah in a very saying why are you yeah, absolutely And truly, in this podcast, we discuss from Kashmir to Kerala why there is an ignorance of what's happened in history. Yeah. Yeah. But but before we get into our last recommendations, I want Advaita to just spend a minute and talk about this wonderful event she's curating next week. I've seen uh, the 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 poster the that tweets. she tweeted. I've seen the tweets. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think Amish is speaking uh, as well, and so is Jain Sinha and many others eminent speakers. And uh, if I was in India, I would definitely want to attend that. So Advaita, would you just like to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Sure. You know, I um, I had this opportunity to curate the festival called Words Count as part of the Delhi International Arts Festival. I've been wanting to do something like this for a long time because I felt that increasingly our narrative, our discourse, uh, especially in mainstream media is, and on Twitter online, is getting very polarized. Mm-hmm. We've completely lost nuance, and mm-hmm. nuance is a big part. It's a, you know part of the tapestry of Indian discourse. And we've lost it, you know. I mean, uh, today I was uh, shared a video by Pavan Verma, the author, diplomat, and he spoke of Shastras and uh, and the uh, revivalism by Shankaracharya and how it was, you know, kind of achieved mm-hmm. through nuance, through debate, through making space for dissent, through engagement, mm-hmm. and uh, even even Samvad, you know, the Bharatiya tradition of Samvad, where uh, the idea was not to you know conquer people with your so-called superior knowledge or anything of that, but mm-hmm. was to know and to understand and to tell. And uh, you know, I think we lost that along the way. And especially, you know, I see the narrative in India becoming very, very polarized. And I wanted to set up a platform where people from varied ideological perspectives, experiences, uh, social strata, what have you, mediums, you know, journalists, writers, satirists, politicians. Everybody can come together and talk about the issues that affect us all, that impact our lives. And uh, what count is really a, a way, I hope, to break those that polarized, you know, the silos we exist in, and say that yes, we can share a stage. Mm-hmm. Yes, we can disagree. Yes, we cannot believe in what the other person is saying, but we can still talk mm-hmm. because we believe in India. And conversations have to be bridges. They can't be things that you know push us into corners. Absolutely, absolutely. That's a beautiful line. You know, they have to be bridges. So uh, that that's 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 pretty much a very interesting summary of what is what Advaita is doing next week. So I hope all of you guys listening to this attend or get a chance to listen to at least some of the sessions on this. But when you talk about distortions of history, I want to make a quick mention. Uh, so uh, there was a sp- uh, discussion between Jyoti about Jyotiraditya Sindhya's legacy, Sindhya legacy in that, and to which yeah. Umarath Tripathi actually responded with um. A 
वंडरफुल पोएम कपलेट फ्रॉम द पोएम झांसी वाली रानी अबाउट सिंधिया रानी in the parliament in 2007 i think was celebrating yeah. 150 years this stanza of sindhya was left out interesting in the clip this stanza was left out now that's a great I'm, catch i am assuming that this is the full clip there have people who had commented below as well and i think it's shameful just yeah. because one a person from that family is an mp or something you you do it's it why are we ignoring why are we so afraid of our history yeah Yeah. No, good catch, Adit. I think, huh. I think everyone should so, know so that. So, I, I was very outraged, so to speak, uh, yeah. <laughs> about it. I tweeted about it. Yeah, also. but that's 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 what has to change about our country, and I think I think that's only going to happen uh, once we start getting outraged about this. Indeed, indeed, indeed. So, before we uh, end the podcast, Adit, this is something we do. We give a quick recommendation of a book, movie, TV show, anything that you've liked this week. So, anything that you would like recommend, non-political, that you've seen or heard or read this week. Oh, Or even oh, previous before. weeks. I mean, it could be anything. Lifetime. <laughs> Or oh, it could be. It could be lifetime. It could be food. It could be restaurant. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, you know. I mean, uh, well, you know, I came across this new book, Edward Luce. Okay. And he's uh, and it's the retreat of Western liberalism. So I'm I'm actually quite interested to read this because uh, I went to a liberal arts college in Georgia. Mm-hmm. in the and they were in south mm-hmm. and and you know i grew up around that idea that you know and the berlin wall came down a few years before i was in college and mm-hmm. you know i uh, sort of felt like the world was changing and uh, democracy was the way forward and equality and all of those things and saw the decline of communism and uh, so this book is interesting because it uh, it uh, kind of twists for certain ideas around for me personally uh, from my own world view and my own perspective and um, i'm i'm in the midst of it i haven't finished it yet so i can't kind of tell you more but i think it's it's worth a read oh, very interesting fascinating interesting. thank yeah. you for the recommendation advaita yeah. sunanda your recommendation you know uh, my recommendation really uh, matches with what advaita was talking about the show she is curating uh and really going back to who we are and i do this from time to time when i'm uh, you know down and out um chants of india by ravi shankar that he has put together all the chants from mm-hmm. rigved and uh, all other vedas after that and some upanishadic <laughs> chants also it's a phenomenal compilation mm. it's on youtube i have the cd as well but it's called chants of india by ravi shankar do listen to oh, it it is it's it's gorgeous it's beautiful i am recommending something completely different and i just saw this there was a documentary i saw by bbc and it's on netflix um, it's about how the best hotels in the world are run and the first episode i saw was about marina bay sand singapore they have a staff of 9000 people Wow! I was shocked. And it's like a little city. It's like no, a small no, it city. is. And then they showed that mm-hmm. their laundry is how it is. They have over one hundred and sixty thousand uniforms. Yeah. <laughs> so incredible! They have tailors on site, and the amount of things they do. Uh, they said that uh, they were showing the kitchens. There are fifty-three restaurants that are yeah. run by one chef. They said they go through five hundred kg of flour every day. 
Wow. So, I mean, uh, amazing yeah. operation. So, anyways, that's. Uh, if, you're, if you're talking about documentaries, then there's one on Netflix on Marx, and which goes on to say that, like, how his daughters had piano classes and how he was bourgeois after all. Oh, really? Really? That might be fun. Oh, wow. wow. That's fun. Well, I I shall watch that in the yeah. next week or something. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, anyways thank you so much okay. for joining us Advaita I know yeah, it sure. was a uh, it yeah. was a tough time for you to coordinate but uh, it was great having you on no. and we uh, no you know um, lots of best wishes for the show that you are um, you know curating yeah. and, and lots of best wishes for everything and that I'm you happy do happy to have you all next year yes. and please feel free to share the video forever we yes. have coming out of yes. this yes yes we'll be happy mind makers will be happy yes. to be part oh. of that Thank you so much. And for all our listeners, we'll be back next week. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. Till then, from Madhit Sunanda and Adweta, it's goodbye.